Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. Got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, but I think this is actually going to be the last Monday podcast. I think I'm going to have to switch it to Wednesdays. So nothing else is changing other than the day of the week, but let me know if this is an issue. Like, if there's something I don't know about, if there's some big YouTube guy that always puts something out on Wednesdays that, you know, everybody's going to watch that instead of this. Just, you know, uh, maybe there's just something I'm not aware of, but generally I don't think anybody's going to care which day it's on. So I just wanted to let you guys know because my schedule is all changing and weird now and everything. But uh, anyway, on to the news. The first thing I wanted to talk about was the Raspberry Pi page and video that I just uploaded. Basically, it's just a quick and dirty way of getting 240p output using a VGA adapter. And at the moment, I think that that's the easiest and cheapest way to get 240p um, analog out of a Raspberry Pi. You know, those adapters are only like $6 pre-made from Hong Kong. So, you know, it's, it seems to be pretty quick and easy, but that's really just kind of like a beginner, let's get started way to do things. And I really plan on diving a lot deeper into this because I believe really strongly that the Raspberry Pi is a great platform for us to all develop on because everybody around the world, no matter what your first language is or where you're located, you know, we could all get that nice, cheap little piece of hardware, and we were all working on the same exact thing. Whereas all those years, I've built all those custom Windows installations for arcade stuff. It's like, you know, whatever I make here is going to be different. I can't send that image to somebody else with one motherboard difference with it, you know. Anybody that's dabbled in Windows stuff knows what I'm talking about. So, I, and uh, the other thing too is a lot of the progress I made was because of you guys. You know, I'd made a comment about, oh, you know, I couldn't get this working. Um, and somebody from Portugal actually uh, just instant messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, you know, you need the analog adapter if you're trying to do it through digital. So all the code I had was working, was all the right code. It was just, I was using the wrong thing. So I'm going to dig a lot deeper into this. Um, the next thing I want to test is how to use the HDMI out to get 240p because a lot of people that already own HDMI to VGA or component adapters would probably rather do that than buy a different VGA adapter. Um, and there's tons of other things you could do. So I figure that's all a good start and um, I'll do that one next and then I'll dig deeper into like getting the pixel perfect resolution and all that stuff. But any suggestions you guys have, let me know. And um, you know, any questions, anything you want me to focus on, stuff that's like a priority, just let me know and I'll try my best to, to get these videos out in a reasonable time because it's something I'm still having a lot of fun with. So I'll definitely be doing it, you know, on a regular basis, I'll be working on it. So let me know what you'd like to see. Next, Ben Heck rebuilt a Virtual Boy to make it wearable and improve a few other things on it. And I thought it was a really cool video. I liked watching it. And I wish, uh, I wish I'd be able to buy something like that. Because although I do like the Virtual Boy, it's really uncomfortable just leaving it on a desk and leaning in. Or like what my cousin Scott does, where he actually will like lean back and prop it up against him. And it's just... Uh, 
yeah, I don't know. That's a, I think that product was ahead of its time, and it could have been a lot better, but it's really fun to see that people are still modding it. And there are some great games for it. I mean, you know, I like Wario. I think that's a great Mario game. And I actually like Mario Tennis, too. I think it's just fun and cool to kill some time with. So hopefully we'll continue to see more mods. And who knows, maybe somebody will come up with a way to to rebuild uh, what Ben Heck did and make it so that you could just have a nice wearable Virtual Boy. So we'll see. Next, the Neo SD team just released the AES version of their Neo Geo ROM cart. So they originally did it for the arcade machines, but now for the home consoles, you could have it as well. I just bought one to test, and that thing was $500 after shipping. So hopefully this thing works pretty good, but I'll do a full review of it as soon as it comes in, because I'm really interested to see how it works and uh, if it's worth the money. Darksoft also posted an update on his Neo Geo ROM cart. He said that he'll also be starting with the MVS arcade version first, but it'll just be about three or four weeks between that and when the home console, the AES version, will be released. So it's, it's, uh, it's exciting that there's now two choices of ROM carts for the Neo Geo, when for years we had none. But I'll be getting that one in as well, and I'll do a full comparison of both and see which one's better for whatever reasons and kind of put them both through their paces and then very quickly sell whichever one uh, I don't want to keep because I can't afford to buy two Neo Geo ROM cards. A new mod board was just released for people that have Sega Nomads with LCD screens in it. It's a pretty cool board that allows you to switch um, NTSC and PAL and it changes the refresh rate. And it's a good add-on for people that already have that uh, LCD upgrade. So I have links to that and the recommended LCD upgrade uh, kit, both in the description. Um, and uh, I think that same website has a few other cool products coming out as well. So I'll keep everybody updated on what they have to offer. I just stumbled across a piece of software called Knox that allows you to run Android apps on Windows. And while that's not retro gaming news at all, I imagine that a lot of us do software programming. Maybe you're uh, porting an older game to a newer console. And while things like this exist and have existed for a long time, this one's free and easy. You just install it, drop the file in, and you could use it. So I just figured I'd pass the link across to anybody that needed it because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, software developers that probably watch this. It looks like 8BitDo just released a retro receiver for the NES Classic. So I imagine it works exactly like all their other retro receivers in that you could have a, a long list of Bluetooth controllers that are now compatible with your NES Classic. Um, I didn't buy one because I'm not really a fan of the NES Classic, uh, but I imagine it's just like all the others where they ship it without um, working firmware and you probably have to update it before doing anything else, which I guess is fine. Um, and also, every time I post news about 8BitDo, I get a bunch of comments saying I'm uh, pronouncing it wrong. Where is there anything that shows how to pronounce it? Do you have any one of their, like a YouTube video with one of their employees saying it? Because I can't imagine 8BitDo is the way to say it. But who knows? I pronounce everything wrong anyway, so might as well just add this to the list. Speaking of the NES Classic, it looks like somebody just posted a picture of them getting Doom running on it. So it looks like the hacking's continuing, and uh, I guess that means they were able to install just the basic Linux version on it, and uh, no word yet on if they were able to add ROMs or actually change Nintendo software on there. But, uh, you know, as much as it's not really for me, I think it's a good product for a lot of other people, and especially if you could hack it and mess with it, always a good thing. So I'll keep everybody updated if there's any progress. 
someone recently just created a Game Boy that was small enough to fit on a keychain, and I thought it was a pretty cool video and page on hackaday.com. And uh, projects, like, projects like this are never practical, but they always interest me, and I think a lot of other people would at least want to flip through the page and see how it looks, so I figured I would just mention it and post a link. Next, Geohot just open-sourced the code for his self-driving car project. So while this isn't directly retro gaming news, um, I figure most people here would probably know Geohot, George Hotz, who was the guy that um, originally cracked the PS3 and then Sony tried to sue him. So it sucks that this company didn't work out because it looked pretty neat, but it's really great to see that, you know, when something doesn't work out, instead of just throwing everything in the trash, you might as well just give it away for everybody to have. So it's definitely, uh, you know, it's always cool to see people in our community doing something awesome and then just sharing for free when they don't need it for themselves. And I think I remember a couple of years ago, he actually posted a rap video that was kind of funny, which a little unexpected, but hey, cool, bring it on. The team behind the Police Knots English translation for the Saturn just posted a small update. I guess there was just a typo in uh, one of the sections. So if you've already burned your ISOs and you've been using them, you know I wouldn't bother um, re-burning them just for that. But if you haven't done it yet, uh, you should because it's a cool game and these guys work really hard to do the translation. But now the latest version just has the fix. So I just figured I would post that for anybody that was about to do a run through of Police Knots. And I still haven't gotten to do that yet, but I will eventually. I just, uh, so many things in the list to try, but really looking forward to eventually playing that on the Saturn. Next, I just got a repro from Leon K, who does the NES Reproductions website, and I got uh, Legend of Link, the NES Zelda game. This is the Famicom cartridge, um, and it's awesome. It's an awesome game. Uh, his work was great, too. Super clean and nice. This is, you know, really good stuff, but uh, I just wanted to show that off because it was, uh, you know, very often I'll play a fan-made game, and... It's just hard. It's designed to be played on emulators with save states. You know, it's impossible to play. And I'm only three dungeons into this one now, but I already, I mean, I like it a lot. It's worth playing. Um, but this is one of the few games that you can't use on an EverDrive uh, or a power pack because it doesn't support some of the audio chips. So you, uh, you need to use uh, a donor cart that actually has the correct audio chip on it. So um, and it's really hard to tell you know, where to get these things from. I mentioned a few weeks ago another reproduction place where I bought the Star Fox carts that were awesome. Uh, so I just wanted to mention, um, Leon's also on my website as one of the, the trusted installers because his work's great and he's, uh, he's been on the forums for a while helping people. So I just wanted to show that off. But Legend of Link from uh, nestreproductions.com, uh, it's pretty awesome. It looks like Mecomsoft is discontinuing the Framemeister. So on their website, they announced that they're going to stop production uh, at the end of 2017, but there should be stock available throughout the year. Um, and there's no word on a replacement yet, but they've sold a lot of them, so I can't imagine that they're there's you know that they don't have a follow-up product ready. Um, there's no news at all on that yet, and I don't know when there would be an announcement. Uh, but as soon as I hear anything, obviously I'll, I'll let you know. But I mean, I would love to see the next-gen product, you know? Imagine, like, the OSSC, but that can do 4K and you know, all the extra features that uh, that are missing from both of those products. And I just, uh, hopefully, the, they're listening to everybody and all the retro gamers and will add a bunch of those really cool features. So, no word yet, but I'll keep everybody posted. And uh, thanks to the guys, to My Life in Gaming, for passing on that info. 
The Behar brothers have just announced the Akura, which is a Dreamcast HDMI box. So it's essentially going to be pretty much like a Hanzo with all the scanliner features and everything else. It's just going to output HDMI instead of VGA. Um, and it'll probably be around the same price as well. There's no official release date, but it is coming relatively soon. And as soon as I hear anything, I'll definitely post more info. But this is an important product that people need because a lot of newer TVs don't have VGA ports. And Dreamcast games, it, in my opinion, look great on flat screen TVs. I know uh, it's probably weird hearing me say it because I love gaming on old RGB monitors, but I mean, I think the games are, are in that generation where some of them are modern enough where it really just looks gorgeous on a flat screen, even in 480p. So having this uh, is definitely a welcome addition and no upscaling features on it yet, but maybe that'll be a different product down the line. But I'm definitely looking forward to trying it out and I'll get one in for review as soon as I can. Bordy just posted something pretty cool on the Shmups forum about the different SNES amps available and the different issues people are still having. Um, and I'm always interested in his thoughts because he's made so many great SNES mods over the years. Um, and, you know, he's kind of at the forefront of a lot of these things. And a lot of the work that I've been doing and, and the testing that I've been doing is based on the work that he's done. So it's really cool to get his opinion and to see, um, you know, what he thinks about the different issues still out there. But as you'd expect, I'm still going to continue my work on the SNES and, you know, I'll still spend hours trying to get 0.01% better of a video output because I'm crazy and that stuff's fun to me. But it's a cool read if anybody's into that, and I'll be doing everything that he talks about. Uh, I'll also be working on myself in the next few months, um, and we'll be testing, doing comparisons, and all that stuff anyway. So if you're into SNES modding and RGB bypassing, um, give, it a, give it a read. It's pretty interesting. Someone just posted a video on YouTube about Tectoy, the Brazilian company that does all the licensed Genesis reproductions. And I thought it was really interesting, and it was kind of cool to see the history behind it and the work they've done. And uh, I just figured I would share it because I always like to see things on different imports and the way uh, the consoles that I've played are handled differently over the years in all the different countries. And I thought it was pretty interesting, and um, they showed the differences in some of the games and the work that they did. And it actually looks like they made a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, they also made that Genesis that's about to be released that still just has composite video which is kind of weird. But other than that, it did look like they had a bunch of cool products. So if you're into that stuff, definitely give it a watch. Okay, now onto the Q&A stuff. Dan Mons actually posted to tell me what the GERT VGA666 stood for. That's the VGA adapter for the Raspberry Pi. Um, and I actually thought it was pretty interesting. So GERT is for GERT Van Lu, which is the name of the developer that designed it as well as many other boards. And I guess he runs FenLogic. Uh, VGA is obviously because it's VGA and 666 is due to the GPIO pin limitations which is basically it's uh, it could only do 18-bit color but that's fine for all old console games so it won't affect us at all for what we do but uh, I, I really thought it was pretty cool um, and I just worth mentioning at least so neat name and uh, now it makes sense Next, Dustin Kramer posted in regards to finding RGB monitors at broadcast stations and things like that. Um, he actually uh, posted a tip that I didn't even think about. A lot of these companies have deals with other companies that source their hardware. So whether it's a post-processing house or whether it's like a big CBS network station or something, um, a lot of times their IT guys don't buy their own equipment. They outsource it to a completely different company. 
So when you're looking for these things, a lot of people won't sell you the equipment because the deal's already in place for somebody to come and remove them. So trying to find the names of places that do that kind of thing is probably another good tip. Uh, I never had time to walk over to CBS, but uh, I really got to make time to do that because I would love to see what they had to say about it. And maybe I'll have to go back two or three times until I find a nerd because us nerds, nerd love, somebody will understand what I'm trying to do and at least probably give me a good tip on how to do it. So um, thanks for thanks for that tip, and I'll keep that in mind when I'm looking next time for some of these monitors. And lastly, Plasmonkey posted in regards to the interview with Patrick last week, uh, and apparently Plasmonkey was the guy that Patrick sent some of that equipment to to see if you could test getting a 240p signal through SDI into one of those BVMs that have the really expensive input cards. Um, and he said that uh, it really kind of worked with 480i, but not 240p at all. And I had ch checked to see if there was another device that might be able to do it, but that was HD SDI. So thanks to Plasmonkey for, for working on that for us. And if anybody else has any ideas on how to get 240p into those A-series BVMs, it would be great because uh, I still see them every now and then, but they only have composite video or SDI input cards, not RGB. So kind of a waste of great monitors if you can't, well, to us, to retro gamers, it would be a waste if you can't have that input. So we'll keep trying, and maybe someday we'll come up with something creative. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, no guests this time, and that was totally my screw-up. Um, I was going to have a bunch of people on, and then I just woke up crazy, and I wasn't able to go back out. But I'd kind of like to tell you about what I saw, because I just thought it was really cool, and I'd just like to share it. So uh, I met somebody named Jose through this podcast. He had actually messaged me on YouTube, and I went out to Brooklyn to check out some of the work he did, and I met him at his friend's kind of half-gaming, half-computer fix-it shop, and it, it was a blast. I met a bunch of really fun dudes, had a lot of fun, and um, I didn't interview any of them or take video because I had plans on going back and meeting up with all of them again, and then that's when my work got screwed up and I wasn't able to come back, but... Um, one of the things that Jose had modded himself that I had never seen in person before was a, a higher-end consumer-grade CRT that had been RGB modded, and it looked awesome. He used Mike Moffitt's method of tapping into the on-screen display's RGB input. And, it, you know, in my opinion, if you had, like, a Sony BVM next to it, the BVM's obviously going to look a lot better because, you know, add two zeros onto the price tag of it, but um, it still looks really, really impressive. So, I mean, to the point where if I get a chance to ha get my hands on one of these, I probably would buy it and just add it to my collection just just because. I mean, I, it really changed my opinion on modding consumer-grade CRTs, especially because those are going to be available a lot cheaper and a lot longer than PVM and BVMs are. So hopefully I'll be able to get more in-depth video and comparisons on that, and maybe Jose will do a video with me on how he modded it, because Mike Moffat's got a lot of great pictures and stuff up there, but as far as I know, there aren't any uh, any videos yet of how to do it. Um, and I also met somebody else that does custom arcade sticks that looked awesome. I'm totally going to have him build one for me. Andy had me try this really awesome Japanese whiskey. So next time I'm bringing whiskey for you. So, But uh, yeah, awesome group of guys. Uh, really pissed at myself for not taking video and pictures with everybody because I had a blast. I just I had assumed I'd be back already. So hopefully I'll have them all on very soon and, uh, you know, just be able to show you guys what everybody did out there because there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, and I didn't realize there was that many retro gamers with uh, out in Brooklyn, 
doing a lot of cool stuff. So I will be back out there again soon. And, uh, yeah, as always, any comments or criticism, please leave them in the comments below. And uh, I'd love to hear what everybody has to think. And I'll see you guys next week.